0: what does it even mean? Your pursuit of gut health has probably taken you down a rabbit hole of misinformation, useless concoctions, and false promises. So this is where this uncensored podcast comes in. The Gastroenterologist and His Daughter is the first of its kind bringing a specialist gastroenterologist and his daughter, yours truly, to help you navigate the world of all things gut health from mouth to bum and everything in between. Join me, Sandra McHale, gut health specialist, dietitian, and founder of Nutrition A to Z, and my father, Wagdi McHale, specialist gastroenterologist and internist, as we unpack the most talked about topics in gut health, covering both the medical and lifestyle aspects of all things gut, with a ton of comedy and fecal tete-a-tete. Right, let's get into it. Hello, friends. Another week and another episode about poo, and today simply a pickup of where we left off last week. So we spoke about constipation, and if you've missed it, we suggest you go back and have a listen. In part two of our All About Poo discussion, we're going through the other end of the Bristol stool chart, covering diarrhea or bumfluenza, as I like to call it. Dad, do you have anything that you'd like to add that we might have missed out on last week for our listeners?
1: Hi, Hi Sandra. How are you?
0: I'm, I'm good dad how are you
1: yeah, I know you had diarrhea last night anyway
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> yes i did that's another story
1: <laughs> before you go to your diarrhea and the diarrhea as general you know last episode we talked about constipation I just forgot something to say about uh, management for some cases the physiotherapy physiotherapy is, i
0: agree
1: yeah it, it is one of the method of Treatment in special sub, some special case of constipation to stimulate the pelvic floor muscles and do physiotherapy for pelvic floor muscles and it will help constipation. This uh, I think this is a missed. It. I forgot to talk about it. Yeah, okay. and this
0: is something that I actually do in my practice. I. One of the questions that maybe some listeners might have is when do I need to see a pelvic floor specialist or when do I need to have pelvic floor physiotherapy? And I don't know if you agree, dad, but I generally ask my clients to do this gut symptoms evaluation. So it's an assessment form. And if they take a symptom called incomplete evacuation, meaning they feel like they haven't fully emptied themselves or they haven't had a satisfied poo, And if they've been suffering from chronic constipation, I generally suggest that they do get an assessment to see a pelvic floor specialist purely because of how important it is that our pelvic floor muscles play when it comes to defecation.
1: Yeah, that's right. And this is the clinical assessment. And sometimes you do manometry to to assess the movement of the pelvic floor and the anal and rectal muscles. Anyway, just it is one one things we have to mention. Okay, so we'll talk about diarrhea now.
0: Yes, we can definitely get into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: by the way, do you know what diarrhea means or not? What okay, you need the, to elaborate the, 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 further. The word diarrhea, where did it come from?
0: <laughs> I don't know where it came from. Well, the first thing that came to mind is bum <laughs> vomit. <or like laughs> uh, yeah,
1: it, it came from a Greek word. Daya means throw and reya means flow. So it is throw flow, yeah, Whatever. Oh, <laughs> so it's okay. something good to be career. Okay. That's So uh,
0: I, I think also a lot of people I mean, it's I'm not gonna say it's unavoidable, but it's I assume everyone at some point in their life would have experienced diarrhea.
1: Definitely, of course. <laughs> and before we go to into the codes and these things that they read, you know this diarrhea is very important. It's not, I don't know the import, it's very, <laughs> <laughs> it's very essential to know that it caused about 17% of deaths in children less than five years worldwide, and it is the second causes of death in children under five years old. And, and are we the talking problem about
0: the Western is, world or are we talking about the developed?
1: This is the WHO uh, statistics. Statistics. And, the, the important thing, it is preventable and treatable. And we can treat these things and prevent them. You know, there is a, with this, you know, one of the WHO statistical, they said seven, 780 million individuals, they lack access to improvement drinking water. Imagine. And about 2.5 billion, they lack the, uh, the good sanitation.
0: No, this, uh, is the, yeah. this is the inequalities of our world that we live yeah. in.
1: Yeah, that's especially in the, uh, the developing countries. World. Yeah.
0: So what are the types of diarrhea?
1: Before the times, we said the ray is passing more than three times a day, like we said before. And typically, it's more than three times or and it's loose. If you see the chart, Distal chart is five, five to seven, I think. Is it
0: type six and type okay. seven? Five, yeah. we, we won't necessarily can. I personally don't think it's considered diarrhea, yeah. but I would say it's type six or type seven. But we ha- if we had to, to describe the consistency, I always say that type six is like mashed potatoes yeah. or porridge, and type seven is just watery with no solid pieces.
1: But both of them not eatable now. It's
0: okay. <laughs> that's,
1: that's <laughs> gross. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, Alright, for the types of diarrhea, based on physiology, we can describe them as secretory diarrhea, osmotic diarrhea, executive diarrhea, motility-related or inflammatory. This is a bit complex. So what will go on with the types of diarrhea we will say acute, chronic, persistent, and invasive. So the acute diarrhea is about 40 days or less. Persistent diarrhea, more than 14 days. I mean 14 days, not 40, yeah? I was going to say,
0: acute yeah. like, diarrhea should not 14, be 40 days.
1: Yeah, 14 days. And the persistent diarrhea is more than 14, but fewer than 30 days in duration. The chronic diarrhea is more than 30 days. And they describe the invasive diarrhea as, or dysentery. It's diarrhea with visible blood or mucus in contrast to watery diarrhea. So dysentery, it's commonly associated with fever and abdominal pain. This is the types of the diarrhea which we'll talk about.
0: And I think the most common cause of, let's say, acute diarrhea are infectious in nature, correct? So that's possibly contracting a bacterial, viral, or uh, a bug, so a parasitic infection.
1: Yeah, this is the most common. It's mainly a viral, especially the rotavirus and some other virus called uh, uh, norovirus and viral gastroenteritis. So this is the main thing with this why we don't go on giving antibiotic to the diarrhea as we'll we'll talk about later. There and is bacteri- are, bacterial infection as well.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. So there's a I mean this is what I've just said. Dad, so you're just repeating what I'm saying.
1: So, uh, okay, I'll uh, <laughs> skip bacterial salmonella and coli. <laughs> did, did you say parasitic infection? Yes, I did. You didn't say parasitic infection. Yes, I did. I just
0: said a pair of bugs. Okay, sorry. I didn't use the Uh, correct terminology.
1: If we go to the uh, chronic diarrhea, like inflammatory bowel disease. And celiac
0: disease
1: as well? Celiac disease, ischemic colitis, microscopic colitis, and the diarrhea, which after the antibiotics, like sometimes it is chronic, with pseudomembrose colitis or caused by something called uh, uh, C. difficile. This is the main cause. There's 100 causes as well, but details of what we said.
0: So I I think also what I wanted to point out is some of these can be food-related. So I think... What I highlight or maybe what I just wanted to add is the food-related causes of chronic diarrhea include things like irritable bowel syndrome or functional diarrhea, lactose intolerance, bile acid malabsorption, celiac disease, and small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So maybe when we come back to these food causes, I'm happy to elaborate a little bit more on each. If we had to talk about the symptoms of diarrhea, dad, I know it can be obvious for many people that is just loose poo. That's you know persistent or lasting for quite a few days. Are there any other symptoms that we need to be mindful of?
1: Yes, you have to ask a patient about nausea and vomiting, abdominal pain, crampy abdominal pain, bloating, dehydration, Frequent urge to evacuate the bowel. How about the volume of the stools? Any fever, or dehydration? And dehydration is essential to detect. And the everybody has to know at least what the signs and symptoms of dehydration, because uh, if you don't treat the diarrhea promptly, especially the dehydration, will get very bad effect. So you can see that. For example, fatigue, dry mouth, mental confusion, increased heart rate, uh, sunken eyes, uh, headache, feeling very thirsty.
0: Having very dark colored pee as well.
1: Yeah, ma'am, this is uh, for the kidney problem. The amount mm-hmm. of urine less and the dark is uh, concentrated. And it's very, a little bit of important, important again, skin test, just to pinch the skin and see it's required. It will be a good sign for... Uh, if it recoils, you mean? Yes. just record okay. slowly if you are dehydrated. Okay. Right. Okay.
0: So, so, I mean, this is why, just a quick note, and I know we're going to talk about management, but this is why when it comes to the dietary management, the first step is rehydration. So, focusing on rehydration regardless of the cause of diarrhea.
1: Definitely. Especially for the first... Two days, and of course you will talk about the diet in, in the the uh, contest of diarrhea. Yeah. So we come to the diagnosis. How to diagnose diarrhea, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So is that where you will start running some tests?
1: Before the test, we have to do the medical history, and how mm-hmm. long is the diarrhea? How many times? How often you have diarrhea? And I show the patient the Bristol chart. In associated symptom, the one we talked about before, yeah. all of this has to. The physical examination is important as well, and you will ask about the current and medical medical history, any prescription he's having, any over the counter medication, any contact with the sick persons, any history of travel. All of this will give us a hint about the um, the treatment diagnosis,
0: and then okay. So that's when you sit with your patient and then what what tests would you recommend?
1: The provisional test it is should be uh, the urine test to see the color and concentration and s- blood sample for it, for the full blood count to see if there's any anemia, white cell count will give us an idea about is it bacterial or viral infection, CRP which is the inflammatory marker, it is yep. If it is high, it will be some infectious or inflammation. Electrolyte panel is very important as well to see if there is potassium is low, sodium is low, and to compensate for this. Urea and creatinine for kidney checkup as well. And the stool, we have to check for over and parasite. There's a lot of parasite that can cause diarrhea. Uh, There is any... Blood in the stool or any occult blood in the stool is told about the occult blood is did Yeah, we we sp- didn't yeah, I've
0: spoken about
1: yeah. We any parasites and stool culture, and there is test called gastrointestinal panel by PCR. This will handle a lot of viral, bacterial, any and so that's for like a
0: full parasitic screen, including bacterial and, bacterial and, viral. Viral, and yeah. viral, yeah, yeah,
1: especially. The AC, uh, C difficile, which is the yeah. uh, bug-causing uh, diarrhea after the antibiotic. Okay. Okay. And this is the main test the for acute diarrhea.
0: Would you later, ever recommend, I was going to say, when do you recommend a colonoscopy or an endoscopy?
1: This is for later on for the chronic diarrhea, persistent diarrhea. We can do uh, imaging to, to start with this ultrasound, CT scan, abdomen, or something. and. Uh, for the upper upper gastrointestinal endoscopy, that's for celiac disease and for parasitic in, infections where we can go to the second part and take biopsy or secretion to test for this. And for upper uh, Crohn's disease and colonoscopy, if the patient have bloody diarrhea and to see if ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, mem- membranous colitis, ischemic diverticulitis, all this will uh, be diagnosed by uh, endoscopy. So uh, anything else you want to add?
0: No, I, I I think you've covered most of the tests that I'm personally quite familiar with. I think a lot of our clients are quite anxious if their diarrhea is persistent or chronic to go see a gastroenterologist because they feel like that's the first thing that they're going to recommend is endoscopy straight away. And this is my role to explain the process as and know that you will need to have a consult first, sit down with them, have a chat, and then see what the necessary tests are before they start, you know, recommending any additional imaging tests or whether an endoscopy is actually warranted or justified.
1: Yeah, as we said, because most of the diarrhea, it is self-limiting and will go within a few days. So there's no rush to go straight away to the doctor. But you have to be very careful about the dehydration. So if you feel okay and the diarrhea four times a day or something, and with no alarming symptoms, you can take fluids uh, for rehydration, you can take a diet, which you can talk about it. Sometimes people can take a course of a probiotic. If the diarrhea persists, if you you have to go to your GP, to your gastroenterologist if you've got access. And if you still can't meet this doctor and the delay hits you at night or something, you go straight to the nearest emergency nearest hospital emergency department. So what so do if you it think lasts, about that? If, yeah.
0: if, if it doesn't last more than two days, you mean? I mean, if it lasts yes. more than two days, you, you'd yeah, still yeah, recommend yes. them checking in with someone?
1: It's better to be on the safe side, yes.
0: Okay.
1: Because some some people, they they go over the county, go to the pharmacy, and they get them uh, got diarrhea. So the pharmacist, sometimes they give them antibiotic, which is not allowed, and they give them uh, antidiarrheal treatment as well, which sometimes cause this problem. And yeah. if the diarrhea is not very bad, and you take antidiarrheal treatment, this special drug, it's very popular and it will stop the diarrhea straight away and it can cause constipation, it can cause bloating, it can cause dizziness, vomiting and another side effects. So uh, please don't do that.
0: And um, I mean, for, for my part, I think the dietary management of diarrhea is obviously dependent on the cause. So for me, it's also important to know, again, here we go, the word important, to know yes. the cause of diarrhea, so for example, for dealing with a chronic condition such as inflammatory bowel disease or celiac disease, the dietary management is going to be quite specific. But generally speaking, I would describe my you know main dietary approaches will involve four steps. And the first sign of therapy, as I mentioned, will always be correcting any fluid losses and electrolyte losses So that's rehydration. So, step one is always to rehydrate. And I always say fluid is going to be your best friend for the next 24 hours. And the aim is to make sure you're drinking about two to two and a half liters per day to make up for fluid losses. Sometimes it can be quite useful to rely on something called oral rehydration solutions. Yes. Which are, you know, these, these sash, you know, they come in the form of sachets or tablets. And they contain a mix of glucose, which is a type of sugar, sodium, and potassium, which are essential electrolytes to prevent dehydration. So this is something that I would recommend clients is to sip on an oral rehydration solution throughout the day. Other fluid choices can include things like your bottled water, broth, so like a bouillon. So other people would call it, some people call it broth, other people call it stock. Um, But for me, it's also good to point out that I want my clients to avoid drinks like colas and sodas or fruit juices or milk-based drinks because they can worsen the diarrhea.
1: But can they take uh, sports, sports uh in, Yes, sports
0: drinks, if that's your only choice. So for example, if you are traveling and that's the only rehydration drink that you can find, absolutely. I have done that as well. Uh, when I was traveling, I you know picked up food poisoning, And the only thing I could get hold of was either bottled water or a sports drink. And I just sipped on the sports drink because it contains things like your sodium and potassium and the sugar that your body needs. So that's generally the first step. And then the next step is to consume easy to tolerate foods. I know that there is this tendency towards something called the BRAT diet, I'm not sure if you've prescribed that in the past, Dad, but actually mm-hmm. there's no science behind it.
1: No, I don't. I didn't. I- <laughs> so the
0: BRAT diet, the B-R-A-T, is a very, ah. very famous diet that basically stands for bananas, rice, applesauce, and toast.
1: Uh, okay, all right. And it uh, Most of the people, they do this.
0: Exactly, because it's been recommended by pediatricians and doctors for years as a temporary way to ease diarrhea. But I like to help my clients to branch beyond that. And this is where I think I mentioned in our last episode is a lot of us rush to reduce the amount of fiber that we can, we consume. And naturally, if you have a bout of diarrhea, you don't want to have a creamy mushroom risotto or you don't want to have uh, you know, a seeded sandwich, like a whole grain breaded sandwich. So... I would say you still need to be mindful of how much fiber you are including in your diet and the type of fiber. So what we're trying to focus on are more of the soluble fiber sources that will help bulk up your stool again and not the insoluble type. So what we're trying to reduce are the insoluble types of fiber. So a few examples. Like what? what? Exactly. So if we're talking about our breads, grains, and cereals, Sourdough bread, white bread, white rice, rice noodles, and some cooked oats. Barley, for example, is another thing that you can include. If we're looking at vegetables, I would say temporarily cut out raw vegetables and include things like cooked carrots, um, cooked zucchini or courgettes, uh, some mushrooms, not too much, some pumpkin. So these tend to be easy to tolerate. So we'll carrots, pumpkin, potatoes, mushrooms, uh, and zucchini. Fruits, I would say you can focus on things like oranges, bananas, and um, let's say rock melon or honeydew melon. For your meats and meat alternatives, ideally, I try to avoid anything that's tough, but you can focus on things like eggs or some poultry, some chicken. But if you are vegetarian or vegan, having some tofu or even chickpeas. I know people are always afraid of chickpeas or beans, but In this specific case, I would say a quarter of a cup of chickpeas tends to be well tolerated. And then we talk about the dairy and dairy alternatives. I would opt, again, temporarily for lactose-free options or plant-based options. And then nuts and seeds try to stay away from whole nuts and focus on things like a smooth nut butter instead, maybe some chia seeds as well. So these tend to be, as I said, a few examples of choices that go beyond that brat thinking—just the, the, you know, the bananas, rice, applesauce, and toast. So that's step two. Okay. Step three is to limit foods that are known to fuel your symptoms, exacerbate your symptoms. So there are some foods that are known to worsen diarrhea because they either trigger the gas or bloating, and Perhaps I would say again, it's not a full, you know, a long term avoidance, but until the diarrhea resolves, I really recommend clients to cut down on caffeine. I know we spoke about caffeine and its impact on gut motility in the last episode. The other thing is foods high in soluble, insoluble fiber, so that whole grain or multi breads, whole grain pasta, whole nuts, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, black beans, and lentils. These tend to be, again, they can worsen the diarrhea. So temporarily stay away from them until your diarrhea resolves. High amounts of fructose, and that's the fruit sugar, but it's also found in things like dried fruit and juices. So again, I would temporarily avoid these. And then sugar alcohols. These are found in your diet foods or even sugar-free gum and sweets and some high-protein dairy products. So sugar alcohols end in O-L. So uh, maltitol or xylitol, for example, they're very, very common, unfortunately. But these tend to exacerbate the diarrhea. And then step four is supplement wisely. So when it comes to easing diarrhea with supplements, I know we can talk about a few probiotic strains that if you want to, but we can also talk about psyllium husk. Again, psyllium husk We've used it for constipation and we spoke about it last episode, but we can also use it for diarrhea because it does bulk up
1: watery, loose stool. With the same amount or does it different?
0: I would start off instead of a teaspoon, I would start off with half a teaspoon if we're dealing with diarrhea. So for constipation, we start off with a teaspoon. For diarrhea, I start off with half a teaspoon in a glass of water and then washing that down with another glass of water. And let's say on day two, you can increase it to one teaspoon in a glass of water. So depending, again, this is highly individualized. Every person's different. So this is why I would say you have to work closely with a registered or qualified nutritionist or dietitian To help, you know, to help you navigate this uh, turbulent time, as I would say. But if we're dealing with chronic diarrhea and specific the food causes of diarrhea, your nutrition plan will be very different. So if we're dealing with, let's say, irritable bowel syndrome, that's diarrhea predominant, again, we might need to, you know investigate whether this FODMAP process might be suitable. If we're dealing with lactose intolerance that's causing the diarrhea, then we have to choose obviously a a lactose-free or a low-lactose diet. If we're dealing with celiac disease, we know that we will have to have a lifetime avoidance of gluten. And I do want to dedicate a whole episode to that. And then if we're dealing with... Bile acid malabsorption, or BAM. Then there is a specific diet that will need to be on that will reduce the amount of fat in your diet.
1: Do you so, have a special diet for it? For this? Yes.
0: One? So, so I mean, when we, if someone is diagnosed with bile acid malabsorption, generally, I mean, Dad, you would know that they will normally okay. be prescribed a type of medication, so called a bile acid sequestrant.
1: Um, well, but this why. Before interrupting you, I got one patient last week. He had a uh, history of uh, cholecystectomy and uh, some bowel section, mm-hmm. and he developed pancreatitis. And for the last four years, he's been having diarrhea non-stop and they tried with him a lot of things. And, for four uh,
0: years?
1: Yes. And oh, wow. uh, they gave him... Uh, Supplement for a pancreatic uh, supplement for uh, for the, the uh, as if it is for pancreatic in problem inducing diarrhea. And most likely when he came, I just, all, all his investigation were not conclusive, but they didn't, but suspected this got bile acid absorption. So they I never considered him.
0: that?
1: I'm, I'm not sure of it. I gave him the uh, diet and the treatment you said about it and last week he's passing well-formed stool for oh, a long after time. after four years. Yes. So, so yeah, he's those, happy anyway. I
0: was going to say maybe, maybe some of our listeners don't know what bile acid malabsorption is. So, the way I describe it to my clients is you have to know the biology. So, bile yeah. acids are made in the liver and they're stored in the gallbladder and then they're released in the small intestine when food is eaten. So 97% of these bile salts are recycled or let's say reabsorbed and then they head back to the liver. In bile acid malabsorption, the bile acids don't get reabsorbed in the small intestine and they continue to your large intestine causing irritation and excess water secretions that cause the loose poo. So... The causes of BAM again, Dad. You can you can correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but it's either a, a structural issue or inflammation in the last part of your small intestine, or can be secondary, meaning it's resulting from other conditions like SIBO or after removing your gallbladder. So after surgery,
1: that's, yeah, that's true. All right, All right. So
0: again, I think I've spoken quite a lot. So how? So these would be. I mean, I just wanted to recap. Let's say that this the the four step suggestion or like this four-step therapy or dietary management that I said when it comes to you know dealing or managing with diarrhea but then keeping in mind that if it's chronic diarrhea it might be you know wise to see your dietitian or nutritionist to help you formulate a nutrition plan so if you're dealing with celiac disease or inflammatory bowel disease or let's say SIBO for example that you work with someone to help make sure you're getting all the nutrients that you need, but also helping you with symptom control.
1: Okay, that's very good. So we'll carry on for the management and before we go through the management, you know, prevention is better than cure. So how to prevent diarrhea, knowing that it is one of the most most common causes, the virus and hygiene. So you have to access good, safe drinking water, Good sanitation, hand wash with the soap is very important. Exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months, of it is one of the essentials. If you can.
0: And so, and this is why I always say there's absolutely no shaming there because a lot of people cannot breastfeed or choose not to breastfeed.
1: Yeah. yeah. Anyway, and health education as well is uh, one of the essential. And now they do what rotavirus vaccination as well. It's it's not which. After the COVID, I think the word vaccination uh, makes people a little bit irritant. <laughs> so, all right. For, as we said before, after the rehydration and diet and plus minus probiotic, we came to the antibiotic. The Most of the patients with community acquired or non-travel associated area, they don't need empiric antibiotic because if the antibiotic is not indicated they will cause a lot of problems. They promote bacterial resistance, they might prolong illness, they increase the carrier state, they increase morbidity and sometimes they do eradication of the normal flora so they increase the susceptibility of a C difficile infection. Which is it is sometimes it is annoying infection. Okay, so please don't start antibiotic. The antibiotic should be started by your health provision. Hundred percent, there is very strong indication for antibiotic, like shigella, cholera, and. But also, I mean,
0: again, it depends. Depends on the stool test. If it's warranted, then Uh, you would take a course of treatment.
1: Yes, hundred percent. And sometimes. The uh, the antimicrobial therapy in some selected cases we have to while doing the investigations we have to give antibiotic because of the alarming symptoms like presence of fever, uh, blood in the stools, and it, we know that it is might be infection with specific bacteria. We know of the symptoms so we can start the empirical antibiotic, antibiotic until we wait the uh, results of the. Of the stool test, and we have specific antibiotics, We've got very good, gut specific antibody, which is not absorbed by the, uh, not, totally absorbed by the body, and it is uh, effective locally only. And another types of antibody, which is effective, according to the disease. This is the main thing here. Okay. I think I we covered mainly the. The management, or do you want to ask anything else? If you have I think diary?
0: no, maybe the only thing that I wanted to add is going back to prevention and maybe probiotic supplements. So there's a specific probiotic supplement uh, which is a probiotic yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii, and it's actually been used to prevent antibiotic-associated diarrhea or even traveler's diarrhea, and it's commonly sold either in tablets or sachets. So this is why if you do need to go on a course of antibiotics, but there is, you know, to prevent the diarrhea that's caused by the antibiotic that you're on, your doctor should prescribe you this specific probiotic that you can take throughout your course and maybe a week afterwards. Another way to prevent traveler's diarrhea, and actually because we're all potentially visiting Egypt uh, in a few months, and I have a very bad history with Egypt and my gut, So another thing that I'll be doing is to prevent traveler's diarrhea, what what you can do is you can take the Saccharomyces bilati for one week before you travel and then a week once you get to your destination. So this is kind of going back to some you know, use supplements and and when probiotics play a role, there are other different strains that we use. So for example, there's a strain here in Europe called Enterococcus fecum, SF68. This is another thing that I also, another strain that I use with my clients, including myself. Um, and it is for diarrhea prevention or for the treatment of diarrhea. And then you have to obviously adjust the dosage and the duration accordingly.
1: Is this available in the market with these names? Yeah. Because... So it is better for the patient to ask the uh, either dietitian or his doctor or her doctor about that, isn't it?
0: Yes, absolutely. Do not go over the counter alone unless your pharmacist is very well versed. But your gastroenterologist or a gut, you know, a, a gastroenterology specialist dietitian will definitely know all the different strains that will help either with prevention or helping you manage diarrhea.
1: I think we covered most of the things, and uh, absolutely.
0: Because, you know, I what? don't yeah. know. I think yeah. I, I I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else to add, Dad?
1: Very much because Liverpool is playing, and they <laughs> scored one, and they have to watch the rest of the <laughs> Thank game. Thank
0: you for giving us <laughs> <up> your <laughs> full attention. But, so, but I think
1: anyway, if you can summarize and recommendations, if you want to.
0: Well, I as think it, my recommendations would be. I mean, think of the four steps, rehydration, easy to tolerate foods beyond BRAT, avoid the symptoms that exacerbate the diarrhea, sorry, avoid foods that will exacerbate the diarrhea and supplement wisely. But if it is just like you said, if the diarrhea has not been resolved, at, you know, you you mentioned two days, I know sometimes it's quite difficult to get a doctor's appointment, sometimes they will just tell you, oh, just, you know, wait another week. But if your diarrhea isn't resolved within a week, I mean, this is how it is here in Switzerland, unfortunately. If your diarrhea hasn't resolved after a week, please see your doctor.
1: But during this, if you've got signs and symptoms of dehydration, run to the emergency, okay? Definitely. Especially children. You don't wait to rehydrate the children at home. And, Sometimes they don't like to drink anything. They don't like to, and they're crying, 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 and they get dehydrated very quickly. So in this case, you have to run to the emergency.
0: All right. So that is us covering diarrhea and wraps up our All About Poo um, episode. So we hope to have you back on here next week where we are going to talk about colorectal cancer. And I know this is something that people don't speak loudly about enough, but I highly advise you all to join us to learn more about a very, very common or actually one of the most common cancers um, of our time.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Gastroenterologist and His Daughter podcast. Don't forget to join us again. And if you've been enjoying our chats, make sure you subscribe, follow, or leave a review on your chosen platform.